Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Jake Jabarelli, and Blockchain John is traveling this weekend, so... I was out the last week myself, for personal reasons, but I see no reason why I cannot do this on my own. This is a fun podcast to do. We've been doing the, uh, the news for the end of the week, well, actually, it's the beginning of the week. But recapping last week is probably, this is like last week tonight for crypto, I guess. Anyways, this is January the 1st, uh, probably January the 15th, 2023, Sunday. This is episode 477. Getting on to the news. This week in crypto, Twitter, that is, Gemini versus Genesis, week two, the SEC, Security and Exchange steps in. We've now passed the second full week of 2023. The crypto fans' patience and resilience have been rewarded with the first big price leaps into a long t- in a long time. In the most top cryptocurrency by market capitalizations have blown up by double digital percentages over the last seven days. However, nobody is out of the woods yet. On Monday, Fox News journalist Charles Gasparino divulged the latest gossip in the wide-ranging and far-reaching FTX case. I'll read that tweet here. Breaking. Prosecutors are telling lawyers connected to the SBF FTX. That's enough. That, that, that. Weird commentary. Fraud investigation to and the case is so sprawling that it could exhaust resources in the Southern District since it includes potential bribery, campaign contribution violations, market manipulation on top of theft and fraud. Security and Forbes 30 Under 30 winner Jane Manchin Wong reported that the day that Twitter wants in on the coin action and appears, um, appears that to be preparing a digital economy of its own, although Twitter coins will probably not launch on the blockchain because, uh, well, you know, that's just easier for Elon to keep it off-chain. Minnesota Congressman Tom Emmer finally received a reply from authorities after he sent a letter last fall criticizing the government's decision to ban crypto privacy tool Tornado Cash. The Treasury told Emmer it couldn't comment on pending litigation, and Emmer said he'll be happy to wait for to ask questions during a public House Committee on Financial Services hearing. And here is his tweet on that, actually series of tweets, but his Bitcoin buying habit may have been, may have caused multi-million dollar losses for his country, but the El Salvador authoritarian President Nayib Bukele uh, wanted everyone to know on Wednesday that he's still sold on Bitcoin and he's taking his legislation to the next level to prove it. And here's that very simple quote, or rather tweet of his um, doubling down, I think, I think probably. Yes, okay. So continuing on, the Twitter account for MetaMask support warned users of a new style of exploit that day. I'll just read that here. A new scam called addressing po- or address poisoning is on the rise. Here's how it works. And, of course, there's multiple tweets. I can't read them all. But basically, after you send a normal transaction, the scammer sends a zero-token transaction poisoning the transaction, the transaction history. This is kind of what PooCoin has been doing for quite some time. On Friday, Crypto.com co-founder and CEO Chris Marzalek announced that the exchange is about to make a third round of job cuts since June, citing negative economic developments. 
hey, things are down. I don't want to lose my job, so I'm going to fire all you people. Finally, Sam Bankman-Fried wants you to know he has a blog. <laughs> Anyways, Gemini and Genesis Week 2. The aftershock, aftershocks of FTX's collapse are still reverbing around the industry, spreading contagion as highlighted by the new feud last week between crypto exchange Gemini and its creditors, Genesis, who allegedly owes users of the Gemini Earn product roughly a billion dollars. Gemini co-founder Cameron Winklevoss sent a digital currency group, GCG chief Barry Silbert, uh, who owns, who also wholly owns Genesis, another open letter this week throwing more accusations of fraud, lies, and greed at him. The GCG account claims, uh, called his claims a desperate and unconstructive publicity stunt, which it frankly is. Later in the week, Silbert shared a DCG letter to shareholders in which he calls out, quote, bad actors and blow-ups, end quote, that have, quote, have wrecked, uh, wreaked havoc on our industry, end quote. He goes on to say that the year, uh, this year, the industry's credibility and reputation have almost been destroyed by a, yet again, quote, by a wave of unprecedented fraud and criminal behavior, end quote, Silbert published an abridged version of the letter in the ensuing thread. On Thursday, the United States Security and Exchange Commission got involved and filed a new set of charges against both Gemini and Genesis, alleging the Gemini's earned product was an unlicensed security. They, they like throwing that, that phrase around, unlicensed security. You didn't, we didn't tell you it was unlicensed, but now it's unlicensed and we're going to sue you. Gemini co-founder and CEO Tyler Winklevoss immediately reacted, calling it a counterproductive mood by the SEC. Sure, counterproductive. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Understatement of the, of the year award, right? Later in the thread, Winklevoss and, uh, said Gemini looks forward to defending itself against the manufactured parking ticket. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I'm not, I don't like the Winklevoss twin at all, but I agree with him on that point. Republican Minnesota Congressman Tom Ember heavily, heavily criticized the SEC's approach. So, yeah, uh, Republican Tom Ember will be more, more stated in the future of our talks. But let's get on to another article, particularly about how the coins have been happening this week. This week in Coins 2023, Green Streak continues for Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, and Avalanche. Knock on wood, but it's only been two weeks into 2023. I don't have, well, I guess I have wood in front of me here. Uh, crypto green shoots haven't been clipped yet. None of the top, crypto's top 20 coins posted substantial losses this week. Bitcoin and Ethereum flew higher and encouraging signs of the U.S. inflation slowed in December. Bitcoin pushed past 19,000 on Thursday. It's currently around 21,000. Uh, for the first time since before the collapse of FTX in November. Thanks to news of the Bureau and Labor and Statistics and inflation that slowed about 6.5% for December, down 7.1% from the previous month. Markets, stocks as well as crypto, that is, clearly took these trends to imply that the Federal Reserve may soon be soon slow its relentless escalation of the interest rates to combat rising prices. On Friday evening, Bitcoin continued its rally, crossing the $20,000 mark and racing 
FTX prompted losses. It's up 23% in the last week to $20,899 at the time of this writing, almost $21,000. I believe it's actually already past $21,000 at the time of this recording. ETH saw similar gains rising steadily beginning Wednesday on inflation reports. The world's second largest cryptocurrency rose encouraging 21% over the course of the week, crossing the $1,400 mark Thursday and sitting at about 1538 Saturday morning. Ethereum hadn't seen such highs since November 8th and when FTX cratered and brought the crypto market down with it. Stocks fared similarly in the S&P 500 and NASDAQ, both posting their best weekly performances since November. So if you're wondering where this trend, uptick trend is coming, it's probably from stocks. While crypto traders certainly welcomed riding Wall Street's wave, others advised caution, as they always do. It, quote, it is a worrying trend to see Bitcoin moving in lockstep with traditional financial indicators and stock markets, end quote. Luna Labs CEO Stefan Rust told Decrypt earlier in the week, quote, as we know, Bitcoin was founded to be an alternative financial system to Wall Street, and it feels as though we may be losing our way, end quote. Meanwhile, the biggest winners of the week soared in crypto-specific news that was independent of macroeconomic trends. AVAX, Avalanche, the native totem token uh, skyrocketed a whopping almost 30% on Wednesday alone, off news that its developer, Ava Labs, will soon offer crypto infrastructure through a partnership with Amazon Web Services. I can see why that would be good news. The development will see Amazon use its dominant position in to help encourage adoption of Avalanche across the public and private sectors. AVAX ended up uh, this week about 44% as of Saturday morning. Lido, the liquid staking pool, saw similar remarkable gains for the uh, LID, <laughs> off encouraging developments in the Ethereum network. Since Ethereum merged, transitioning Ethereum to proof-of-stake system in September, network participants have been unable, uh, or they're able to earn new, newly minted ETH as a word for staking a pre-existing ETH on the network. Uh, Lido is a leading service that allows the users of the pool uh, their e rather to pull their ETH and stake it to more, earn more. Over $7 billion worth of ETH has been staked through this project, but the users have not been able to withdraw their staked ETH. That capability will come with the Shanghai upgrade to the Ethereum network that looks like it's on track for launch in March, which I guess is the reason people are excited about this. It's also, a, now that they're seeing the end game People are getting excited. So, and then, then there's Solana after a brutal stretch in the end of the year. It closed ties with FTX ecosystem, Sam Bankman Fried. SOL or Sol is on the comeback ride and it soared 65% over the past seven days to a price of roughly $22 on Saturday morning. So, yeah, there is, it's a, it's a resurgent. Anybody who's in the crypto market is probably noticing this. You can see it across the top of the board up here if it's big enough for you to see on mobile. I apologize for that. But yes, the prices have returned quite a bit, 21242 as of the last refresh of this page. So moving on to something about Tom Ebber and Patrick McHenry. These are both Republican senators. Uh, in particular, this is this article, is Republican lawmakers push crypto regulation with new House subcommittee. <laughs> um, it kind of feels like a uh, Loomis uh, brand uh revamping of the bill, but knowing that the uh, House of, uh, is narrowly ruled, that is, there's a narrow majority for the Republicans in the House, 
in uh, not uh, the three uh, parts of uh, the U.S. government, the Republicans currently hold a narrow ma majority in the um, House of Representatives and are forming all kinds of committees and subcommittees uh, you know, this week since they finally elected their Speaker of the House. Uh, but the, uh, although they're going to probably create a lot of these subcommittees and do a lot of investigation, uh, they're not really going to be able to pass new laws since the uh, con um, other two houses are currently, I guess, possessed or majority ruled by the other party, the Democrats. But uh, in particular, the uh, Patrick Henry and uh, Tom Emmer have saying things along the lines of the fact that they were kind of caught off guard by uh, all this stuff that's happened in the last year, uh, in particular by Chairman Gary Gensler, uh, who has been threatening a lot of things but hasn't really done anything. I think this is what the point of this subcommittee is to do, is to research and, if they had their way, put teeth into enforcement of uh, what they were hoping the exchange, Security and Exchange Commission should have already done. In particular, um, they say it is imperative that Congress establish a framework that ensures Americans have adequate protections while also allowing innovation to thrive here in the U.S. So I'd say it's a distinction from what Elizabeth Warren had been saying in that she wants uh, regulation to exist, but uh, doesn't really mention anything about the idea of uh, innovation. So... I imagine, although like I said before, the Republicans don't really have the power to do anything, they're going to at least make the effort to try to get some kind of regulation so that people aren't harmed by the uh, fraud that can obviously happen in the market, um, but also allow innovation to continue, as they say. Uh, I think that's a good thing. I hope that's exactly what happens. Well, continuing on to the... Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like this article is speaking explicitly to the amount of gaslighting, and it's not just because it's in the title, uh, that's going on between everybody within FTX who just doesn't want to get thrown in jail. It's too late for Sam Bankman-Fried and his ex-girlfriend, uh, Caroline, but um, the uh, head of FTX US, the US arm of the entire company, uh, has a lot more things to say, probably because he's trying to avoid prison himself. So, former FTX U.S. president accuses SBF of gaslighting and manipulation. And man, did this guy have a lot to say in particular about that. So, one thing he's like, my, my relationship with Sam Bankman-Fried and his deputies have reached a point of total deterioration after months of disputes over management practices at FTX. Yeah, um, the guy seems a little heady, but there's some history here. He is a little bit older and had some say in how Caroline and uh, Sam were trained since he trained them personally in the class that he taught while they were both working at the same company. Um, he says uh, he threatened to leave the company in April of last year, about 11 months into his role over organizational problems. Now, I would tend to agree that uh, Brett Harrison uh, and his beef with Sam Bankman-Fried is probably justified, as we know Sam Bankman-Fried's um, financial business practices were left something to be desired, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, I think that uh, John J. Ray, the guy that they set to organize uh, FTX after Sam Bankman-Fried's departure, although I mean he's still involved, he's just not president anymore, 
uh, stands to reason the absolute abject mess, that's putting it lightly, uh, Fuster Cluck, <laughs> that is the financial books of, um, if there are any books, honestly, I'd be curious if there were any, but uh, there, it's a, it's a hot, utter mess, just complete and utter mess that uh, Bankman Freed left to John J. Ray to handle. And like I said before, I don't think that Brett Harrison is totally wrong, but he kind of has this um, unbelievable air about him. And the reason I say that is that, uh, as noted by uh, Ed Zitron, when asked about the statement via Twitter on Saturday, in particular that, uh, let, let me just read the statement here. Um, uh, where'd it go? Uh, all right, so Harrison claimed in a tweet that direct deposits from employers to FDX US are stored in individually FDIC insured bank accounts in its users' names. This was completely false. And that tweet was deleted when the SEC called him out on it. But then, of course, you know, many months later here after that had happened, when Ed Zitron on Twitter also called him out on it, Harrison blocked Zitron's account. Uh, I think that's, as he says, laughable, but poignant, point, point taken or point made that it was clear that although I'm sure uh, Harrison did not appreciate being reminded of his folly, that it was fact and point in fact that it was not helping his case against uh, Bankman Freed by the way that he was referring to it. So it's kind of like he's like, you know, he's complaining and BSing and, and and bad-mouthing Bankman Freed about all this stuff in this very, very long uh, Twitter thread that he created uh, very recently. And when he gets called out, he just blocks those people. And it's like, yeah, uh, it's, it is certainly not helping his cause, but at the same time, it's also pointing out that he's not completely blameless here. So despite the fact that he, I, I, like I said, I'm certain that, uh, F, that Sam was doing things wrong. And I can see why Harrison would be uh, so distraught over all the things that were going on. Uh, he couldn't really run the company because there wasn't really a company to run. But he was trying his darndest to do whatever he could and running into a lot of problems with Bankman Freed. So, unsurprisingly, yes, failure. So, um, I don't know if the man's necessarily believable, but that's what he's been doing. So, continuing on. This is something I've been very interested in lately. It's a funny acronym they've been using this liquid staked, um, you know, DeFi basically here is the LSD. <laughs> Why Ethereum bulls are turning to LSD. <laughs> it's such a funny thing to say out loud. Liquid staking derivatives. In any case, so a little bit of recap back backstory here. If you're not already aware, uh, since September 15th, when um, uh, Ethereum went fully stake only, proof of stake only, and there's no more mi physical mining going on, uh, in order to stake uh, and, and acquire a node, it required 32 ETH. Now, back in the days, early days of ETH, that would have been fairly easy to pull off. ETH started out like 40 cents or something in its earliest days. You know, 32 ETH at that price would be pretty easy to pick up a node's worth. Um, even if you just mine it yourself. So, but at the time of the writing here, 32 ETH is still worth about $45,000, not like the $8 it was originally when it came out. So a lot of people bought ETH up in the beginning 
and they probably still have a lot of it, so it's easy to buy up a node. Now, the whole point of this is that buying a node, of course, means that you now can mine, right? You're now a validator. Um, but that's, of course, where LSD projects come into play. Today you can earn as much as 300% when you stake your steeth, that's staked ETH, in certain parts of the ecosystem. Um, but the whole point of this uh, you know, liquidity or liquid staking is a way to get your money back. And in fact, when you do this with Lido, you get the Lido token, L-I-D, a LID token, and then you can use that somewhere else. So it's a typical way that DeFi works where you're, you're staking a certain amount of coins to, together in a pool or in a farm. Um, and then you, they give you their, whatever the pool's token is to use elsewhere or to be you know utilized in a different way. You can trade that token openly on the market when you stake the other stuff. So this is what the LID token has been doing is people are like, well, I don't have 32 ETH, so I'll give you you know my two and a half or, or my 10.5 or whatever. Uh, ETH, and then you'll give me these tokens in exchange at the interest rate at which I'm receiving them as kind of a proof of staking. And that's, like I said, with certain staked ETH, you could be making as much as 300%. Uh, it just depends on the validator in that case. So uh, a good example would be Coinbase. You can stake uh, ETH with Coinbase at the typical rate. You can also do it at, you guys may not have seen my show, my uh, episode I put out just recently about uh, uh, Atomic Wallet. Atomic Wallet allows you to keep your own keys, unlike Coinbase where they do it themselves and they keep the keys. Um, you can keep your own keys on Atomic Wallet, stake your ETH, and have complete control over it, not having to worry about if Coinbase goes belly up tomorrow. So I would highly recommend, this is my, my plug in this case for Atomic Wallet, because you get to control your own keys. Do it, Do with it as you will. Anyways, Shanghai is the update that's coming in March that uh, is where Ethereum devs will finally give people who have been staking all this ETH up to $7 billion worth <laughs> the privilege and ability to remove their staked ETH finally. And it's, it's kind of a weird thing to not have this future when you know you can actually remove your staked. But this it was somewhat deliberate. And I guess I'm going to make another sh quick analogy here real, real shortly here. In the Cosmos uh, ecosystem, Atom is the other name for Cosmos, you cannot remove any coin quickly, and that is absolutely deliberate. When you stake, you immediately start earning interest, but as soon as you unstake or start moving away from it, it, start, it, it not only takes away from what you're doing, but you, you're, you're no longer earning, but it takes 21 days to get out. So you can stake, let's say you stake one Cosmos as an example, it's the same thing effectively with staked ETH, um, but 21 days later, and you know it's 21 days later, you get that coin out. Now with uh, staked ETH, people were staking years beforehand. <clears throat> and even after the uh, September 15th exchange from proof of work to proof of stake, no one could still remove that staked ETH. Now they were earning a percentage like it, like it said, Lido uh, coins, and that is an exchangeable coin, so it does still make it somewhat liquid, not perfectly liquid, um, but you are earning interest. But now people know as of March, and it will probably go to terms. If they, if they, if they can move from proof of work to proof of stake, that is the analogy of uh, changing out the engine of the airplane while it's flying, 
<laughs> then uh, they can probably hit the mark with it. So people are, are almost betting definitively on it coming available in March. So uh, let's move on to something I'm a little, I don't know, I shouldn't be so happy about this. From uh, Bitcoin billionaires to SEC charges, a brief crypto history of the Winklevoss twins. No, um, I am personally no fan explicitly of Mark Zuckerberg, but I do still feel like the Winklevoss twins kind of raked him over the coals. And I know that the movie kind of made it look like it was his fault, not their fault. Not entirely sure that's the case. They did still win a lawsuit against him and uh, got $65 million worth of stock in Facebook as well as cash in the very, very early days. Uh, and of course, that, that money is worth far more now. Um, I know that they, I mean, they were explicitly involved. So it's, it's not like they weren't involved in the early days of Facebook. They were. But the way they went about this is, it just, it feels wrong. And obviously, they, they were proven by the, in the court that what what was done was wrong against them. I still, it still feels quite petty to me. And so since learning personally about this, I, I have always been... Uh, kind of a grudged against the Winklevoss twins. Um, I don't think they have any reason to even know who I am since I'm just this tiny podcaster in the middle of nowhere speaking about what I think. But honestly, if I were more Mark Cuban level, I would still be just as vehemently against them and probably never invest in their company. And I will say that even though I did sign up with Gemini, I've never given them any money. And I probably never will at this point. So Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss went on from being, you know, as they'd say, co-originators of Facebook, deceived by Mark Zuckerberg, to early crypto adopters. Now, we'll, I will give them credit on this. They bought an immense amount of, of Bitcoin in the early, early days. Uh, and this, of course, made them excessively wealthy, work, uh, building up their value to roughly $7 billion because of their Gemini company. Uh, SEC, however, hit the... The uh, Winklevoss Twins cryptocurrency exchange Gemini with charges of securities violations on Thursday of this week due to Gemini's EARN program, which promised a return to customers who deposited their crypto holdings. Sounds like some Celsius? Well, it is an awful lot like Celsius, and, well, not in the sense that they're going bankrupt. They're, they're refusing that. I think that's because they're still liquid. They have cash to cover all the expenses, but they don't want to pay back this $900 million uh, fine. Twins owned as much as 1% of, as I said before, 1% of the circulating supply of the leading cryptocurrency in November of 2013, according to the Washington Post. So yeah, they had a good chunk of all the coin. Uh, they were, they definitely saw the future, and I'm, like I said before, not, not disfavorable to that. They, they saw it, and I didn't because they had the money to do it. 2015, the Winklevoss brothers opened Gemini, a cryptocurrency exchange license in New York. Platform expanded over the years to acquire uh, Marketplace Nifty Gateway in 2019 ahead of the eventual NFT market boom of 2021. So, of course, they were again visionaries. Um, parent company Gemini Space Station was valued at roughly $7 billion in November of 2021, at the height of Bitcoin's price. They're, what, $70,000. So in June 2022, however, the U.S. Commodities Futures Trading Commission charged Gemini for making material or false misleading statements as it sought approval of its Bitcoin futures project, and Gemini laid off 10% of its staff um, as the market crumbled. In December, the Financial Times reported that the Genesis held some $900 million worth of customer funds. The Gemini earned program, of course, 
and then of course the uh, SEC chairman Gary Gensler says so we allege that Genesis and Gemini offered unregistered securities. Let me just say this before everybody says, "Oh, it's unregistered securities. You're bad. You shouldn't have done that." It's like, dude, didn't make it a law, you know. <laughs> Bypassing disclosure uh, requirements designated to protect investors. Yes, so unregistered uh, or unaccredited investors got probably the brunt of this. I know I'm an unregistered investor, and so in that sense, or uncredited investor, so I, I, I was hit personally in the Celsius uh, debacle, and that's basically what's happening. And the same thing here, they're making the same accusations, and... I kind of feel like the twins have been delaying for a really long time. It's at the point that they made this this thing. They're just like, hey, why did you guys, you know, sue us instead of telling us first? Why did you just put it in the news? And it's because you've been you've been delaying. You've been delaying and delaying and delaying and delaying as much as you possibly can. This is a very common tra- tactic in business um, because you don't want to pay the money. And I can understand that because it would take a gargantuan chunk out of your entire value. So understandably, sucks to be you. And I, it's kind of it's kind of a sweet victory. I appreciate watching these guys, despite their visionary uh, thought process, flounder and fail. Sorry, dudes, you suck. Lastly, uh, probably you know some pretty good news. Uh, victims of the textbook Ponzi scheme, uh, BitConnect, to receive seventeen million dollars in restitution. Does that mean it's just one person, or does that mean everybody gets seventeen million dollars each? No, no, no. It's it's just that they managed to recover some of the money. So, there were 800 victims, roughly, in the infamous BitConnect scheme will now be receiving this, this sizable return of their money. I don't think it's everything, but it's, it's something. Um, BitConnect operated a textbook Ponzi scheme by paying earlier BitConnect investors, as it works with a Ponzi scheme, with the money from the later investors. In February of 2022, however, the DOJ then revealed an indictment against the project's founder, uh, Satish Kumbani, who, of course, is still at large. No one's been able to find her. Accusing, or rather, him, rather, uh, accusing him of obtaining approximately $2.5 billion from investors in a Ponzi scheme. The project promised average daily returns, like a high-yield investment program would t- typically do, uh, implying that the possibility of turning $1,000 into $36,000 in one year. Utterly ridiculous, and obviously some people did get it. Those people who got in early got out early, also got the money. But BitConnect collapsed in 2018 when regulators caught on to the project, forcing it to shut down. Investors eventually got their BCC tokens, that's BitConnect tokens, back. But at that point, their values had fallen by 5,000%. So I, it does suck, and a lot of people got sucked up in that BitConnect uh Program and of course John still quotes it whenever we sit, whenever we talk about BitConnect and the guy starts screaming, BitConnect. <laughs> it's it's just sad. Um, all right, well we appreciate everybody listening in, and um, if you haven't already, you can check out our coin tree here. I'm gonna bring it over. Uh, let me blow this up a bit so people can see it. You can always donate to us in any way, fair, or form. You appreciate uh, Raven Ever Asset uh, or Rare Wallets. If you want to send us some of your tokens or some of your, your assets, we appreciate that. Uh, who knows what they'll be worth in, in the future. It's awesome to see that those are things that you can do. Dogecoin, Tron, Litecoin, Monero, Bat, Bay, uh, Binance, Smart Contracts, or Matic. 
You can also check us out on Discord, where there's a lot of things are going on on a regular basis. You've probably seen it in John's feed on Twitter, or probably on Twitch, rather. Um, we have a lot of active users in there, and it's always nice to talk to people. Uh, it's actually where we get some of our, our news from. People are talking about what's going on, so it's neat to talk to people on Discord. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube, and if you're watching us there, we appreciate it. Give me a thumbs up. That would be awesome. Uh, Twitter, Twitch, Spotify. Um, we don't really talk about library as much anymore because it's being... Uh, uh, Demoted, I guess. But you can also get the audio version of this on Anchor Podcast. Although I think Anchor is actually going to video. I don't know how they're going to do that for car radios. Anyways, I guess if you have a screen, it'll work. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone listening in to the show and are watching. And uh, we always appreciate comments. Uh, you know, constructive criticism is, is fine. Uh, we didn't do a Twitch stream this time because John was usually the one that's doing that. But uh, in any case... Thanks all, as I say at the end, or we say at the end of the show. Stack Sats and Hoddle. Adios.